I've laid my whole being on the altar of God. I've separated myself from all that is corrupt and evil and have given God all of the good that I see as good in me. I've given him my whole being from now until forever without reserve, but God has not filled me with his spirit yet. What more do I have to do? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. Thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. We are local. We're in the Wyoming Valley. We're in the Wilkes-Barre area. And we are looking to start small groups to talk about spiritual matters. We want to look at the Bible together. We want to know what the Bible says. We're trying to be disciples and to make disciples. We're not interested in just knowing in our head what is right. We want to know what's right, and then we want to live like it. So if you'd like to have a Bible study, please contact us. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for video content, teaching, and preaching. You can find us on YouTube as well. Be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos. If you need something, please also reach out to us by way of email at gods.resistance at gmail.com, or you can call us at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Last week, I was talking about the altar of consecration, giving everything over to God, putting yourself as a living sacrifice upon the altar of God. But today, we are going to talk about that faith to be sanctified holy, that faith to be filled with the Spirit of God. Faith is often seen as something that's so mystical. It's kind of unattainable. Either you've got faith or you don't have faith. But I just want to help you to understand this point. Faith is not so much a feeling or some special gift when it comes to the matter of salvation. Faith is a choice of the will. I'm going to choose to believe because of something. If we focus so much on our own faith, you know, what it feels like, what it looks like, we'll cease to have faith because there's no object in which we are trusting except ourselves. So faith then reaches out beyond yourself. Faith needs an object. The Christian faith is much more than an object. In other words, we're not just having faith in an object in the Christian faith, but we're having faith in a glorious person. You may ask, isn't faith to be sanctified holy, some high summit loftier than all the summits of Christian seeking? The answer to that question is no. Faith to be sanctified holy is the same faith you had to be justified or to be saved. So I hope as we're thinking about seeking God for a holy heart, we can get that out of our mind that it's just some special thing. Every single person has the capability to choose to believe what God has said, to choose to believe that he will come through on what he said. And so the first point I want to look at is that we need to have faith in God's command. God has told us to be holy. He's told us to be filled with the Spirit. So we either believe that what God is telling us is possible, 
or we say, well, he said that, but you know, I don't really care. So let's look at 1 Peter 1.16. 1 Peter 1.16, we are told, be ye holy, for I am holy. And Peter's referencing what God had said in the Old Testament. Be ye holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. He said, because it is written, it's written, it's been written a long time ago, be holy, for I'm holy. So God is commanding us, Christians, to be holy. According to Peter, Matthew 5, 48, Jesus said these words, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. So there we find, if God can't make us perfect, what is Jesus doing to us? He's speaking this high ideal that you and I can never reach. Or he's speaking to us something that is actually possible. And he's commanding us to do something that God will do in us. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. A lot of people say with these verses that this word perfect doesn't mean perfect. It just means complete. But there is an evangelical perfection that is being spoken of here. Jesus said it just a moment ago, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Be complete, just as your Father in heaven is complete. I think there's something a little more deeper than just completion. He said, therefore, leaving the, the principles of the doctrine of Christ here in Hebrews 6, 1, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. There's something deeper than what you have already experienced. You must go on to perfection, to this moral, evangelical perfection. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So here we, we find it in King James uh, Version English, but literally, if we were to take this word for word, it would read like this, Peace pursue with all and the sanctification, which apart from no one shall see the Lord. Here we find in the King James, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness. In the original language, it would read, follow peace with all men and the holiness, a specific thing that God wants to do for us, a specific crisis, a specific work of grace, follow peace with all men and the holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Here we find just, there's many more commands than what I'm reading to you, but these are some of the most potent ones. Ephesians 5, 18, we're told, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He's commanding us to be filled with the Spirit. Here, he's speaking to people that know God already. Now, I know with, with Jesus being here on earth, there's kind of a blending of the Old and the New Testament when he's here, where people were getting saved while Jesus was here on earth, even though he didn't die on the cross. But all the other ones, from Peter, the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews, and Paul there in Ephesians 5.18, this is all being spoken to people that have already been saved. So the command of God is to be holy, for he's holy. So we have to first put our faith in the command of God. Because if God doesn't command it, why in the world are we seeking God for something? So then the command gets its wings where we find the promises of its fulfillment. So we need to have faith in the command and now faith in the promises. 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Was that ever fulfilled in the earth, earthly promised land? Was that ever fulfilled when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River and then started to war against all those people that God said, I'm going to give you this land? Was it ever fulfilled then that God circumcised their heart and the heart of their children and made them to love the Lord thy God with all their heart, with all their soul, that they may live? I would submit to you that no, that didn't happen. In fact, they oftentimes went the way of idolatry, and God had to severely chastise them over and over again. So it it didn't get fulfilled back there in the Old Testament. So this must be a promise of the gospel covenant. This is a promise concerning the salvation of Christ, to be saved and to be sanctified holy. Ezekiel 36, 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, And from all your idols will I cleanse you. This is a promise concerning the full salvation of Christ. Because as we look through the entire Old Testament, there was the law, but that power of full deliverance, of full salvation, was not seen in the Old Testament. So this is the promise that's going to come through Christ. This is the promise for you and for I. And for to get even clearer, we can look in Joel 2 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So the fulfillment of this promise made back there in Joel in the Old Testament was on the day of Pentecost because Peter referenced this. If we look in John 17, verses 17 through 20, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So here we find that promise back in the Old Testament that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And then we find Jesus saying it wasn't just for his disciples, those 12 that we read about in the New Testament, but it was that promise was for any of the disciples thereafter that heard the words of the apostles or that read it in our case through the scriptures, believed and could also be sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, just like the apostles. So here we find the fulfillment of the promise, the commandment that God wants us to do it, the promise that gives wings that it's possible and he's going to do it and I can stake my all on it. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some righteousness. No, that's not what it says. It says, and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Sounds like a full salvation. Sounds like the work of the incoming of the Holy Ghost, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, to be sanctified holy. And if that wasn't clear enough, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Paul says this, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So here we find 
that it's not just being filled with the Spirit and being in some sort of hilarious state where we have some electricity flowing through our body or some crazy thing like that. It's the most sane experience as we read inside of the Bible. It is an experience where God cleanses the heart from all sin and then fills us with his spirit so that we can live and move and be like Christ on this earth. And he said that he wants to sanctify us wholly and preserve us until the second coming of Christ. And here is the encouragement in the 24th verse. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. It's a certainty. He's going to do it. So we have faith in the commandment. Then the promises which give wings to the commandment, we've got something to lay stake on, and then just faith in the gospel itself, the whole plan of God's salvation. In Hebrews 10.10 we read, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is the gospel dispensation, the gospel promise. Hebrews 10.14, For by one offering he hath, made, or he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Sounds like he does a work in us here that preserves us through all eternity, if we'll let him. Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify, this is Jesus giving himself for the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. A few other translations helping to bring this into full view. We read that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of water with the word. Another translation, that he might sanctify her, that is the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Another translation, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it with the bathing of the water in the saying, or a coverdale, which is a very old translation, to sanctify it and cleansed it in the fountain of water by the word. This word cleansed here, or cleansed here, is a, is a word that is uh, used in a participle phrase. What is a participle phrase? I, I, I was trying to think and remember this back into my high school days, and I didn't pay attention as well as I would have liked to. But just for review, I had to look this up again. But here's what a participle phrase is. Here's a sentence. Stunned by the blow, Mike quickly gathered his senses and searched frantically for the pepper spray. So the participle phrase in this sentence is stunned by the blow. Stunned by the blow, Mike quickly gathered his senses and searched frantically for the pepper spray. A participle is a verb used as a descriptive. So applying it to this verse that we were just reading there, what kind of church are we talking about? We're talking about a church that is cleansed. That's the participle. And it's cleansed by the washing of water by the word. That word for cleansed is also a predicate nominative. Here's another uh, uh, example. Kurt's favorite toy is his big truck. Jesus' church is a cleansed church. So the direct object of this sentence, of this verse that we read in Ephesians 5.26, is it, the church. The participle phrase should be having cleansed, describing the church. So what is Jesus sanctifying? Jesus is sanctifying the cleansed church. That's pretty explicit. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. 
You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. So we talked about faith in the commands, faith in the promises, and then faith in the gospel itself. Now, more specifically, for the seeking that's at hand, I want a holy heart. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to have faith in the blood of Christ. The Old Testament reveals the sprinkling of blood in many places, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that type. If we look at Hebrews 9.21, we read, Moreover, he sprinkled, that is the priest in the Old Testament, with blood, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. Why? Let's look at a few Old Testament passages. Exodus 24, 6 through 8. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people and said, All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So there was a cleansing of the temple over all the items of the temple and the blood of this new covenant. Leviticus 8.24. And he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put of the blood upon the tip of their right ear, upon the thumbs of their right hands, and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about the atoning blood. Leviticus 8.30. And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So the blood sanctifies, we read right here. Leviticus 14.7. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. The cleansing blood, we read about right here. Leviticus 16.19. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it, and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Again, the blood cleanses. So we find that Old Testament type there, and Hebrews alluding to it. Let's look now how this applies to the New Testament and to Christ. Hebrews 13.12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. The blood of Jesus is the fulfillment of all that blood that was sprinkled of, sprinkled in the Old Testament. Now his blood sanctifies anyone who believes. 1 John 1.7 But if we walk in the light, as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, God's Son, cleanseth us, from all sin. There's faith in the cleansing blood. That statement in and of itself is such a promise. If I walk in the light God's given me, his blood will cleanse me from all sin. It's a certainty. Thank God. Rev- uh, Revelation 7:14. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation 
and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So here again, we find that the blood cleanses, that Christ's blood cleanses. So we have faith in the commands. We have faith in the promises. We have faith in the gospel scheme. We have faith in the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. We also need to have faith in the character of God. Romans 3, 3 through 4. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. That's, that's quite an affirmative statement. Because you'd say, well, I read all this stuff in the scripture, but is God really going to come through? Is he going to do it? Is he somebody that I can trust? The statement here is, it doesn't matter if everyone in the world doesn't trust God. Let God be true, but every man a liar. In other words, God is trustworthy. You can trust him to do what he promised. You can trust what he has declared about himself to be true, that he's not like men. He's not like other people around us. Other people may tell us certain things and fail us, but God never will. He will fulfill his promise. Psalm 9, verse 10. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. So if we stretch out and we start to trust God, we put our faith in him, the psalmist declares that he's not forsaken anybody that's believed in him. In other words, God has come through when people have sought him. Psalm 36, verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. So there we find it. God's faithfulness is not something small, minuscule, just a little speck. He said, God's so faithful, his faithfulness, faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. God is faithful. That's what's being told us here. God will do what he says he's going to do. God is who he says he is. Psalm 119, verses 89 through 90. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. So God has declared things from the beginning, and we're told that throughout creation, God hasn't gone back on his word. He's been faithful as he's spoken things into existence, as he has held them together, it has gone from successive generations. He's established the earth upon his word. His word is settled forever in heaven. So if he gives us a command and he gives us a promise, then you and I can stake our whole lives on it and trust it. God help us to be simple, more simple in our faith. Isaiah 11, verse 5. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins, speaking about God. Righteousness will be the girdle of his loins, so he will not do that which is wrong. And then faithfulness is the girdle of his reins, his heart. Faithfulness is his very heart. That's just who God is. We can have faith in his character. Micah 7, verse 20. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Well, you think, well, I'm not Jacob, I'm not Abraham, so how does that help me? The promise that God gave to Jacob and that God gave to Abraham, you and I fulfill if we believe on Jesus Christ. If we partake of the gospel covenant, 
You and I are for fulfillment of that promise that was given back there to Jacob and to Abraham. And he says he has sworn the promise to Jacob and to Abraham, so he will fulfill it. Thank God. Then Matthew 24, 34 through 35. Verily or truly I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And he's speaking about the end of time. But this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. If God has ever promised anything, it will be fulfilled. That's what this is telling us. So God is faithful once again. Second Corinthians verses, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. For all the promises of God in Christ, in him, are yea, and in him, amen, or so be it, unto the glory of God by us. So if we ask anything in Jesus' name, if we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, and we claim a promise God has given to us, we're told that all those promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, or so be it. Yes and so be it, unto the glory of God by us. So it's up to us to claim and grab hold of these promises. But if we do, it's yes and so be it in God's sight. Thank God. If you're seeking a holy heart, this is God's character. This is what he's promised to us. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we believe not, yet he, God, abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Praise God. I just want to give you just a bit of a testimony. God has helped me a little while back when seeking him in prayer for other people or for certain circumstances or situations, God had helped me to realize this, that I can read his word and then I can say, Lord, you promised this. You said you were going to do this. It doesn't look like it's happening right now, but you cannot go back in your word. You have perfect integrity. You are faithful. You cannot deny yourself. You cannot do but what you've promised. And I found that my faith just was strengthened. And I was able at that moment to have an assurance in my heart that God was going to do the very thing that I was asking of him. So what do we conclude by all of this? If I'm seeking God for a holy heart and I've laid everything on the altar, when and what am I to believe? When and what are you to believe if you're seeking? Bishop Foster brings it out this way. We have to have a general believing in Christ, that Christ himself is our Savior and our Sanctifier. Then I have to believe that he's able to sanctify us. He's able to sanctify me. Then I have to believe that not only is he able, but he's willing to do it. He wants to do it. Then I have to believe that he's able and willing to do it now, not tomorrow. That's where the devil gets throngs of us caught. God's able to do it. He will do it. And it's always the the carrot dangled in front of us that we can't get to. It's always somewhere way far in the future and never yet a present grasp or a present reality. We have to believe that he's willing and able to do it now, not tomorrow. We have to believe that he has promised to do this work in our heart to cleanse us from all sin, to cleanse us from inbred sin, and that his promise will not fail. God said he was going to do it. I'm going to hold on. We have to believe that if I now have faith, he will now this moment do it. And then I have to rely or trust in him now this moment to do it, accompanied with a belief that he doeth it. Mark that he now, when I believe according to his promise, 
do with it right at this very moment. Not a belief that it is done, but accompanying my faith, it being a sound faith, that he's doing it literally as I meet his conditions. Do you feel your need of a holy heart? Are you willing to receive it? More, are you desirous to obtain and you resolve not to stop short? Are you able to consecrate your all to God, to give up all for this blessing? Is that your feeling, is it? Are you willing right now? Then believe the work will be done. Believe what? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Trust him to do the work just right now. Don't believe because you've, you've consecrated everything to God. Believe because God promised. And believe that as you have laid yourself as a living sacrifice on the altar, that your present faith says, He is doing it right now because I have met His conditions. Is that where you are right now, Christian? Believe on Jesus Christ to sanctify you wholly. Please tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast or if you need someone to talk or pray with you, please contact us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for teaching and preaching and video content. You can also find us on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell to be notified. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.